everybody uh, again we're just gonna start off with a real quick uh review and or criticism of the song dumb by nirvana uh for legal reasons mixed in with a little parody and pastiche um uh, you know again i just have to say i think it's a pretty good song um i don't know if if kurt cobain is bringing his all to this vocal performance but um, I like his just celebration of basically being not very intelligent. Yes. Um, people seem to think he was very intelligent, right? But maybe he didn't see himself <laughs> that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, he ends the song with like 10 repetitions of I think I'm dumb. So <laughs> yeah. there we go. <laughs> um great so <laughs> let's move on to uh libtard takes of the week maybe we can do sometime we could do a courtney love conspiracy episode oh there we go yeah like did she did she kill him did she do it for whatever reason seems like it didn't do much for her because his daughter inherited all the all the moolah oh is that what happened yeah, I think it's I've always thought about her because you know I like I'm I'm kind of obsessed with pop culture shit and I <laughs> I love I love I like how much cooler could it be than like I mean it sucks her dad killed himself but like she probably doesn't even remember that and she owns Nirvana's um like the rights to, to like all their music <laughs> and she's owned that since she was like 4. Wow. It's a pretty cool like estate to inherit, I would say. Wow. I, mean, I guess we have to hit up Courtney Love so we can stop doing this review at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> Not Courtney Love, the daughter. Frances, oh, oh Frances. Frances Bean Cobain. Yeah. yeah. That's, Courtney Love doesn't own shit. She's like, <laughs> you better hope her mom keeps the, uh, or Courtney Love better hope her daughter keeps the gravy train running. Um, <laughs> okay. So, because I doubt Hole has made a lot of money in the last 30 <laughs> oh. years. All right, so my uh, libtard take of the week is a Bloomberg article. I didn't read it. I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> that uh, because I think that it's just meant to like enrage people, so I refuse to read it. But um, it says women who stay single and don't have kids are getting richer. Um, oh. And then it says forgoing marriage and parenthood has a bigger payoff for American women than men, according to new research. And like, the photo, I don't know if I'm, I can show it to you. I'm not going to try because I might fuck up something with the recording. But anyway, the photo is a very PMC looking woman, blonde, dyed hair in her 40s, very thin, <laughs> sitting in what's clearly New York City at like a cafe. Um, she's 43. And I guess as I like scrolled through the article like the gist is that like women who decide not to get married and have kids end up and it's not even that much more money it's like <laughs> it's like okay i mean i guess these are just averages right but it's like 
men who don't have kids have an average of $57,000 in wealth and women who don't have kids have an average of $65,000 in wealth, which, which is an average of course, but it just, it made me laugh because I was just like, (laughs) it just shows you how little wealth like most Americans actually have. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one in this country or very few people in this country have, I don't know. It really reminds me that, you know, <laughs> you and I probably exist in a sort of bubble because I was like shocked that that was like, those are like real numbers of like what people have like saved by their forties. But yeah, well, and I'm guessing it is including like assets minus liabilities. So like, even if you, you could have more assets than that, but if you have like a mortgage or um, student loans or whatever, that would count again, count against it. Yeah, well, this lady, I guess, has the most student loans or something. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, her job is she's a representative for a maker of medical devices. And she owns a home in New York City and the Jersey Shore. But it turns out later in the article, again, I skimmed it very lightly, that um, she doesn't actually even own the home in the Jersey Shore outright. She owns it with her sister, who also has no kids. <laughs> um and that the apartment she bought in the city was $900,000 in the West Village, which I can just, I mean, I'm going to be real with you for a minute. It's not, it's like a one bedroom, you know, yeah. it's not that nice. I mean, it's a super cute neighborhood to live in, but it's like a one bedroom apartment in a nice neighborhood in Manhattan. I don't think there's anything wrong with this lady's lifestyle. And in fact, like I've come to meet people in my life who I don't think are meant to be parents um, maybe I've met more people like that as a gay person because, you know, gay people can't, I know this is probably a controversial take, but they can't biologically reproduce on their own. Right. So <laughs> a higher percentage of gay people, particularly gay men, don't end up reproducing <laughs> on their own. So I don't know if you want to make a, argument for um genetics and being gay you might be able to make an argument that (laughs) there's a higher percentage of gay people who uh maybe like aren't the best suited for parents i'm not even putting myself in that category i'm just i'm just saying that i've met more i've met people who i don't think would be amazing parents and i think that's i think this lady's lifestyle sounds fine like I I don't think she's necessarily, I'm not trying to say like, if she doesn't have kids, she's unhappy, but I found the libtard take of like, don't have kids so you can be richer to be really like hollow and sad. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) like giving up having a family, like specifically because you want like a house on the Jersey shore. (laughs) This seems like really depressing to me as a take, like it doesn't seem like that big of a prize. And like I said, I totally would not have cared if this article was like, you know, I'm 43. I never got married or had kids. And like, I have a fun, cool life. And like, I have friends and like, (laughs) I don't know, like I have a plan for when I retire. And like, I don't know, like none of that would have bothered me. Like, I don't think that I don't, I mean, again, I don't know why the article would need to be written, but that wouldn't bother me. But I guess what bothered me is this whole, like, don't have kids to be wealthier. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just obvious 
propaganda. It doesn't make any, I mean, yes, like uh, kids cost money. So like basically no matter what, if you have kids, you would have like less money than if you didn't have kids. I mean, it's just obvious, but that's assuming that sort of like your highest priority in life is just to be like as rich as possible. Right. And I just find that to be a gross, like, priority. Like, I think it's fine if you don't want kids. Like, that's a totally fine, like, stance to take. I think it's a little weird if you're straight. I'm going to be honest. Because (laughs) if I could, like, produce a baby with my boyfriend, I would be really, really intrigued to see what our baby would be like. So mm-hmm. I find th- I find it weird that you wouldn't want to do that if you could. <laughs> but right. just because it sounds like a cool like science experiment. Like I'd want to see what like <laughs> the combo of me and this person I love like look like. But I just found the the whole like you could just use that face mash app or whatever. <laughs> yeah i don't know i just felt like it was like a really kind of like hollow article and then like again like i'm not trying to be like yeah i don't know that's all i really have to say about it i'm into like alternative like kinship structures and like i'm into like people who you know like i know a group of gay guys who are in their 60s and they're all talking about buying like a big base upstate and like six, six of them want to go in on it and like kind of retire there together. And I'm like, that's, that's rad. Like that sounds like a cool (laughs) retirement. Like I'm not against shit like that. I just, I just found the article to be really depressing and sad. And like the regime was saying like, (laughs) you're going to have $10,000 more (laughs) if you forego Um, this, you know, amazing experience. Yeah, I and mean, you already got ten thousand dollars back from Daddy Biden if you have student loans. Mm-hmm. So, but no, I mean the other thing too is like this is so common nowadays where everything is trying to like talk about people in terms of statistics and averages and sort of like reducing people to this type of analysis when it's like okay, but like obviously there's plenty of people with kids who have homes on the Jersey Shore or whatever, <laughs> and plenty of people without kids. Knows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and plenty of people who don't have kids who like don't have any money. So it's not it's not like you're making this choice resigns you to a s- certain lifestyle. It's just talking about an average or whatever some use of statistics to make this argument that isn't really that is uh i don't know compelling (laughs) i would have thought it was funnier if it was like like i remember i saw this tweet once that was like by the time you're 40 you should have a group of friends that almost exclusively does not have kids and is continuing to shuffle between the same seven (laughs) lower manhattan bars Bars, (laughs) as like as like the dirt bags you were when you were 22 but i was like to me, if that was if that article was written, I would think it was funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm still living my dirtbag life, and I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I would be like, well, that would that. be sort of like the satirical take on that uh, headline. Yeah. I think. Which, yeah. yeah, but I'd be like fine with that. I mean, uh, that, that sounds like a funny article. Those people sound like they're having a good life. <laughs> 
you know, yeah. now that my friend's parents are getting older, like this whole like guarantee that your kids are going to take care of you is like a fall, like false. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like now that I actually know people whose parents are getting sick and dying and stuff like that, it's not like they immediately like uproot their lives and like move in next door to their parents, you know? So no, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I'm not trying to say there's like, and you shouldn't have kids for that reason anyway. Yeah. A, <laughs> you're a dad. Like, yeah. don't you think it's a stupid, I think it's a selfish reason to have kids to, uh, just because you uh, want to like get something from them. No, I mean, I never even thought about that, to be honest. I don't, that seems like so far. I mean, I get, you know, I don't even want to think about being so old that I need like my kid to be like changing my diaper or whatever, but yeah i mean those final years are going to be bad for them from 95 percent of people they're going to suck no matter whether you have kids or not i hate to break it to people yeah it's like not fun to get old so no. i don't know anyway i guess i'm ending my libtard take on a depressing <laughs> note but i'm just making the point that like yeah like you shouldn't have kids because you think you're gonna you yourself are gonna get some sort of fulfillment out of it like <laughs> You should have kids because it's a natural thing to do if you are a certain type of person. And you got tired of going to the same seven bars. Yeah, you got tired of going to the same seven bars and you would rather be (laughs) at home giving your kid a bath or whatever, you know? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, um, that was a good one. I'll jump into mine. Similar, here we go from Bloomberg to the other sort of like globalist propaganda um, source of record is the New York Times. And um, today, they're, this morning, you know, they saying, oh, NASA wants to go back to the moon. Uh, what, and I'm going to put back here in, in finger quotes. Um, sorry to all the moon cells out there, but, um, (laughs) you know, I mean, this thing is just ridiculous. Um, and then I, you know, so they always like talking about, oh, we're going to go back to the moon. And then they talk about like all the challenges that are associated with that for something that we ostensibly have done already, like six times in the seventies, you know, (laughs) Um, and presumably there would have been some like significant technological development since then that would make it like a lot easier, easier and less expensive, but apparently not. But what I also thought was funny about this was that it's like, um, it's like they're doing it because they want to send a like woman of color to the moon <laughs> as like a... <laughs> historical like milestone or whatever so my theory is that they're actually going to send lizzo to the moon i know we we had the, this like, yeah they get the like ship up like off the- <laughs> <laughs> seems like it would take more like yeah, they need to fuel. put an extra rocket on there yeah um but yeah i know we've if talked lizzo about on the moon i will kill myself <laughs> I'm serious. I will kill my. I will kill myself and like. A, I will join a doomsday cult just to kill myself with them. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's just so hilarious. But that to me, that would like we've been talking about how Lizzo is an op. And to me, this makes sense as like the sort of ultimate um, purpose, like the final sort of phase of the Lizzo op is like Lizzo goes to the moon. Um, I mean, I think Lizzo's an op because she so obviously exists to create like perpetual Twitter like discourse. You know what I mean? Like that's that's it. Her amazing. I've met. I've had friends in real life who look like Lizzo, and it's like their whole thing is not like. I don't know. Like, I'm proud of, <laughs> I'm proud of being fat or whatever. Like, it's just like I don't. That's what I find so bizarre about the whole Lizzo thing. You know, it's like the yeah. the positioning. Yeah. So, and then the other. So there's a there's like all so many nuggets of joy in this article. But they're talking about. So is they're saying it's scheduled for 2025. We'll see if this happens. I'm not. You know, they're, I think they're just banking on everyone like forgetting that they said that, and then in 2025, nothing will happen. But we'll see. But anyways, they're saying that the reason they're scheduling it for 2025 is that it, it doing it in 2022 would add to an already uh, what do they say? What's been a busy 2022 for NASA, and really the only thing that they can cite as have NASA having done is deployed that James Webb telescope that took the um, <laughs> Spencer's Gifts <laughs> poster photo of like the whatever twinkling galaxies oh, yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. I forgot they did that. So that's been a big year for them. Um, and uh, and then of course you have to throw in like the geopolitical kind of ideological component here. So now it's not, we're not competing with, uh, the commies in, in, uh, the Soviet union anymore. It's China. So it's well, Na- still technically on paper commie. I guess. Yeah, they are. They're, they're a different flavor of commie, but, um, so yeah, NASA has been galvanized by competition from other countries. China, for instance, has landed three robotic missions on the moon. Uh, and I believe then, they can do it more than we can because I they're actually teaching their kids math. <laughs> and we're just like over here doing like diversity, equity, inclusion, education. So yeah, I mean, I th- I'm so skeptical of any... To me, China functions in the U.S. media as just like sort of mystery and fear and, you know, that. So I don't I just don't know. I think a lot of what we hear about China is not really like based in reality. I think they just kind of use it as whatever they need for some kind of other that is vaguely threatening or whatever. I think that's China. Well, I think that they like, I think that my argument would be China is probably not any worse than the U.S., but that's the biggest argument. Like when I really talk to like smart people and I double down on my whole like the U.S. is a brutal, imperialistic, bloodthirsty, (laughs) awful nation that has caused more harm than good by incalculable measures they always say like well would you rather have china as a superpower that's where they always get 
mm-hmm. even really smart people. That's like the final, you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. like where they like kind of stop. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's for that too. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yes. Yes. Because they can always point to this like other powerful country where people don't look like white people. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then, well, can... and that, that was the same with COVID too, when they put out all these like, propaganda videos in the u.s of being like look at their covid lockdowns and like you have to check into everywhere with your pass and you know making it look like super dystopian and authoritarian to kind of contrast with see like relatively speaking what we're doing over here is like much less drastic but that's the only thing if you want my honest opinion that made me wonder if the covid op was realer than i thought i was like china seems to like really be intense about it like is there something that like they know that we don't like that was one of the moments i like sort of questioned like am i well but i think it's the opposite where it's like they were in a better position to just go all in on the authoritarian control system just yeah yeah (laughs) They no, have yeah. less less distance to go to get all the way there. <laughs> my dad and, and I, whose political <laughs> views have like, I don't even know what my political views are anymore. I always say this. I like I have I have no like solid uh, ideology I adhere to. And by the way, I think it's retarded if you have an ideology over the age of twenty five. Like if you, <laughs> this is a take I put on Twitter that people liked. Like if you say you're a communist or a socialist, anarcho libertarian, whatever. Yeah, you know. no, you should <laughs> over twenty five. You shouldn't say things like that. You should just be a person, and you should just ha- like believe what you believe, and not like no ideology is perfect. No ideology has like everything that you could want. But anyway, as my dad and mine, some of our politics have lined up more. Like, I feel like we we intersect around Glenn Greenwald. That's where we like <laughs> something about him. We find some common ground. Um, we were talking about how funny it would be if like you went to Texas where both of us have lived. You and I have lived for a time and uh, tried to like fucking nail people into their doors like the way china was doing yes yeah like Good just luck, right? how badly that would go you know mm-hmm. like people would like ar-15 the person well like- exactly and that's why it gets me when people are like <laughs> there's no validity to this idea that like the second amendment provides a check on like state tyranny like no it definitely does like just because it hasn't been like tested because people basically know it would go horribly if they tried to do something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like imagine being the cop who's like, all right, you have to go around in this Texas conservative neighborhood <laughs> and you have to take these boards and you have to nail people into their houses. <laughs> like, I think most cops would be like, I'm not going to do that. Like nope, that's calling in sick that day. Yeah. It seems like a stupid idea. All right, I have like a, a bonus lived hard take. So okay. I think, do you have time? We, I think yeah, we should, let's hear it because our second we, segment probably will be a little shorter. Yeah, and we should try to do like um, we should try to do like an hour and a half. I think I think that's a good like aim for it. Um, well, real quick, just before I go into my second one, you should go watch the She Hulk uh, twerking <laughs> scene uh, at some point, just for your own amusement. Okay. I've heard, I've heard about this show. So I'm like vaguely familiar with, well, there's a scene where Megan the stallion, who I guess plays herself in the show 
teaches She-Hulk. Oh my god. Um, Does She-Hulk have like junk in the trunk? Yeah, she's kind of has like a thick. I wish I could show you this picture. I'm like scared to like, like I said, fuck up the screen. Um, yeah, I mean, in this picture, she has a lot of junk in there. I wish, I wish you could see this picture. It's so funny. Her ass is actually huge, but she's white. So maybe it's cultural appropriation to have it an ass like be. that. Yeah. Um, the take I was, I'm going to do a really gay one. Uh, the take I was laughing about was, so there's like all these like fake and gay, like uh, celebrity, like gay celebrities lately. They're always has been, but you know what I mean? Like, Billy Porter, Billy Eichner, a couple Billies. Like, they're both, like, ridiculous and always spouting, like, I don't know. Like, they're still into, like, the whole, like, I'm so powerful for speaking my truth. Like, that's, like, their thing. But they're, like, wealthy men. (laughs) Cis. If you know what I mean. Cis men. Are they gay? They are gay. I love how you don't even know who they are. I love that. (laughs) It's, like, really healthy for you. Anyway, there's this, like, slight thing online about, like, how Billy Porter... And let me read you what he's the first of. He's the first openly gay man to both co-write and star in a major studio romantic comedy film. (laughs) So there's, like, lots of, like, caveats. Like, we've gotten to the point of, like, seven seven caveats to make him the first. Because he's not the first gay man to write and star in a major studio film that wouldn't have been true and there's a film really recently moonlight that would have like um counted toward that and i don't think moonlight's woke interestingly just Hmm. a side note um and i'm just kind of i guess like my final like this is my like libtard bonus segment is i just how many more firsts are we gonna have to deal with you know yeah, <laughs> like I mean, just... it's the gift that keeps on giving because there can always be like new, stupid first things that happen. I know, but it's like it's fine if you're not the first of something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, you're not breaking any barriers, and like, yeah, but you're you're making a movie to make money. Like that should be like that's what's like. Yeah. I just I, I mean it's I, a marketing ploy. I think that's that is what it's like. Oh, you can oh I have to see this movie because like it was the first something, something, you know. I'm also almost positive this movie is gonna make gay people look bad, especially in the wake of monkeypox, because I've seen some <laughs> clips of it and like there's lots of like we're in a couple, but we still do like threesomes and foursomes scenes. And I'm like, they're just going to make us look like whores, you know, (laughs) like that's like the whole goal. I don't know. And I was anyway, so this is like, again, my final take on this is like, I was reading that and I was just like, how many firsts are there going to be? And then the New York Times did a profile (laughs) of men who've like gotten monkeypox. It came out the same day both these things. And like all the guys who got monkeypox, I felt, I feel bad saying this, but they were all like sex worker porn star you know like people like that and i was just like i I don't know i was just like what is i felt bad for them because i feel bad for anyone getting any disease but it was just sort of like 
Well, what is the take on this story? Like, what it's lit—it's just monkeypox fear porn. What is it? Yeah, it was just like monkeypox is so horrible, and it was like this is how horrible it is to go through it. That was like (laughs) that was like the whole point of the story, which doesn't seem like anything we need to be told. Like, why don't they do a story like that on shingles? Yeah, you know, something equally as painful. Like, go go interview seven people who got shingles this year. People get shingles all the time, right? And you don't have to be like having like insane amounts of like orgies to get. I just I just think it's funny that like we pick these diseases and we're like, let's really, really, really make people feel like sympathy for these people with Mm -hmm. this disease. But it's like people get really hard and sad diseases like all the time yeah like part of life it's really disingenuous and then they're this they're also coinciding with i've been seeing like these stories of like three children have gotten monkey pox or whatever i think eric fagel ding was like tweeting about that um being like no coincidence that this is like at the same time that school is starting (laughs) like (laughs) I hate him so much. <laughs> I know. He's so ridiculous. He is the worst. I really, really He might really. actually be the worst, like, Twitter COVID grifter. He's probably the worst person. All right, we can move on. The last thing I'll say is currently trending on Twitter right now is Leah Michelle can't read. <laughs> um, which I think is so really funny. Is she, thing. like, brave for coming out as illiterate? <laughs> No, she she came out to talk about the rumor that she can't read, but didn't actually debunk it in the quote, which is so funny. Like to not actually just, she said, "If I were a man, these rumors would never have been started about me." But didn't but didn't confirm that she could in fact read. Male privilege is that you can be illiterate, and no one will accuse you of being illiterate. Well, I do think as an English teacher, a lot more people are illiterate than we realize. <laughs> That's a take that I have. I think there's more <laughs> illiterate. I think there's more illiterate. A lot people. of straight white cis men passing as literate. Well, they're probably like the the least illiterate because they have so much privilege. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so they've they've gotten to learn to read. I think we could. Uh, God, we're rambling now. We'll go into the topic. We'll, we'll, we'll go into the topic, but we should do one on how basically America taught kids to read in the wrong way for like thirty years because it it was like a more woke reading curriculum. Really. I don't know if you've dove into this. Yeah. No, I have no idea. Basically people were like phonics is uh, somehow it became like, I'm like simplifying it, but it was like phonics is racist. So we stopped doing phonics for like 30 years. And now it's like every major study is like, no, you need to teach kids. Phonics is sounding it out. Like, Oh, Hmm. Like you make the kids. So what's the alternate approach? Like a rich diversity of books in the classroom. The kids can like, pick that look people who look like them and they'll be interested in it so it's like not like kids books it's just like just pick it up and you know give it a go it is kids books but yeah it's like it's like it's like go they'll be attracted to books they want to read and they'll kind of like learn to read through like topics they're interested in yeah but you do have to teach a kid like b means b yeah (laughs) like c means cut like mm-hmm. you do actually have to do that to a child, mm-hmm. which is how you and I learned to read, but they stopped doing it after mm-hmm. us. Interesting. So. Yeah. 
Or maybe we're illiterate on this podcast. <laughs> um, all right, let's illiterate visibility. Um, ableist to say otherwise. All right, let's do the let's do the main topic of the week. So we decided to do. Do you want me to introduce it, or do you want to? Yeah, it? go for it. Like I'm taking over. The wine's hitting. Um, <laughs> we did this. Uh, we did. We decided to do this topic because there was a controversy that brought this general topic to mind, which seems like a further kind of effort of the regime to like slice the family down to nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So Sydney Sweeney, who's a, did you know who she was before this controversy? I did. I did. I had seen her in, Oh, she was in that white Lotus show. And then I had also seen her in euphoria. Okay. As a straight man, objectively, is she as hot as everyone says? Yes. She's like a 10, right? In this straight man's opinion, yes. Okay, so Sydney Sweeney's a 10. I can't speak for the community, but... <laughs> Generally speaking, I've heard lots of guys say she's a 10. She's really hot. She has huge jugs, like just jugs for days. She's super <laughs> skinny. They seem real. They don't seem like fake jugs. Um, she's blonde, and she's from like rural Washington, she also does not, she comes from like a kind of like working class background, which has kind of always been part of her appeal. Like she's sort of like, she has kind of a trashy face, I would say. <laughs> she does not have like an aristocratic face, you know? And she's like, I kind of like, I've, I've kind of always liked her because she's not like third generation Hollywood. Like we're not dealing with a Gwyneth or something like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. this girl came down from rural Washington, probably did some things she's not super proud of (laughs) and like worked her way up the chain just because she looks the way she looks, you know? Um, I've read she moved to LA when she was like 16 alone. Wow. So I think there was some rough, uh, there was some rough uh, experiences in her, in her day. But anyway, She's famous now and she recently got into some controversy for saying that she didn't make enough money to stop work having a babe to have a baby, which people thought was ridiculous because (laughs) he makes a lot of money. Um, But I think her point was sort of like, she was kind of making a point about how like, you know, all most stars now are second and third generation stars. Like the celebrity kind of machine has become a like, pseudo aristocracy which i'm want to make another argument in another episode that that's inevitable in societies <laughs> there will yeah. always be sort of a, a hereditary aristocracy of some kind yeah but, i mean it is she is right that it's very common i mean that's just a fact you know yeah and she was just making the point that like she has to do like stupid like belly bloat ads that like someone whose parents are literally really famous don't have to do you know Mm-hmm. Um, to maintain her like elaborate Hollywood lifestyle, lifestyle yeah. but um, anyway, so she she threw her mom a 60th birthday party and a hoedown, a hoedown, and uh, as one straight tweeter pointed out, if you noticed anything but her tits, you're <laughs> really fucking gay. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of people I was going to say she did look incredible yeah (laughs) there's a lot of people who are not uh into tits who did notice other things (laughs) such as the fact that uh multiple people at the party were wearing make 60 great again hats (laughs) that were red 
Um, and they were also, uh, her dad was wearing like a Blue Lives Matter shirt. Um, and like the tenor, I guess, of the conversation, here's what she said about it. Here's her like take. She goes, you guys, this is wild. An innocent celebration for my mom's milestone 60th birthday has turned into an absurd political statement, which was not the intention. Please stop making assumptions. Much love to everyone. Happy birthday, mom. (laughs) Um, And basically she just got like dragged across Twitter for a pretty um, good response. I would say. Yeah. I mean, she kind of just refused to engage with it. Yeah her significantly uglier brother is the one who posted the pictures that people didn't like. (laughs) Um, And yeah, she got dragged across Twitter because like basically the lib, the lib take for the last maybe four or five years has been, if your family is racist and racist means votes conservative, you have to never speak to them again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 That's Which the is, there's right. a lot of, to unpack there, but yes, no, I would agree. At least that is like a subset of people who just believe that, yeah, like if your parents, especially if they voted for Trump or express any support for Trump, for whatever reason, you have to like completely sever ties with them. Yeah. And there's been like memes and there's been like hashtags, like hashtag fuck up Thanksgiving. And I think sadly, like a lot of people... Um, took this really literally. But the truth is, is that, (laughs) and I'm saying this as someone who comes from like a horrible family. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be like, I don't even want to parse words. Like I come from a very difficult and I'm not even going to get into it because I don't want to be like a whiner, like everyone else on Twitter. But like the whole point of family is as horrible as they can be. Like, you're supposed to, I think, naturally, instinctually love them and support them and have loyalty toward them. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one thing if they're like, I think there's a difference between just like expressing a political opinion that you don't like versus like actually harming or abusing you or something, right? Then I think it's fair to to you don't have to be like no i'm loyal to these people forever even though they're cruel to me like i don't think you have to do that but yeah like it it seems i think that's what god would want you to do though you think so yeah i do think so (laughs) like i guess turn the other cheek yeah i think god wants you to forgive your family Mm -hmm. no matter how bad they were Mm -hmm. i truly believe that but i mean um, yeah, the, I guess you're making a good distinction, which is important. These people aren't just saying like abusive people they're saying, but the point is, is that like, they're arguing that like words are abuse. Mm-hmm. Right. Isn't that the bottom? Like, I guess, but, but what is the uh, making make 60 great again? Who is that abusing? That's what I, <laughs> even, well, even under that people, logic. It shows these people don't have utter contempt for Trump if they even voted. Right. And if you don't have utter contempt for Trump, you are a racist and you're responsible for things like police shootings and stuff right. like that. Yeah, right. So to me, that's like, that's even a few leaps away from like 
words are violence, which I would disagree with that too. But but that's this is even like a few steps more like attenuated. <laughs> but like if you voted for Trump, you supported white supremacy. Yeah, right, right. Okay, and, what do you think about that? No, I don't think that's true. I okay. don't think that. I mean, first of all, what uh, a vote for Hillary doesn't support white for supremacy. That's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, um, that, you know, it'd be one thing if like Louis Farrakhan was running against D- Donald Trump or something, but like basically you have two like extremely establishment, like essentially under the, the lens of like, uh, what do you like critical race theory type analysis that really both of the, these people represent like white supremacy to some extent. So I don't, it's not even like what, what did Trump do that is like way more, I mean, Hillary Clinton, right? Hillary Clinton is responsible for the, the prison industrial complex that is like locked up like millions of, of black people trump didn't do that super predators yeah (laughs) so Um. i don't and then i think i think that the main motivation for a lot of people who voted for trump was that he was he did not sound like a politician i don't think people necessarily agreed with all the stuff that he said but he was saying crazy shit that was like holy shit like this guy is not like those other people who've been fucking us over for decades and decades you know i cannot get my like most libtarded friends to see that because i'm like i'm like i think he's funny (laughs) and i was like i was like i didn't vote for him but i think he's funny and they're like well what do you mean by that you Mm -hmm. find him funny and i'm like he is like actually like has good comedic timing yeah, no, he is. He's an entertainer. I mean, that's yeah, what, that's what he is. He's very enter- It's the same reason people don't understand. And you, I love talking about this because this is your like deep libtard days. <laughs> you made fun of me years ago for watching Tucker because I watched Tucker almost every night and have for like seven or eight years, which is very <laughs> anti my. But I watched it even when I was still like full blown libtard because I found it so entertaining. Do you know what I mean? Like. They're yeah. they're they are very entertaining and they do connect with people in a way that like Hillary Clinton cannot. Yes. No, I agree. And I think part of that is saying sort of politically incorrect things that a lot of people think and and I think like actually even like Zizek you know, talks about this, that like there's a certain like vulgarity that brings people together in a in a like convivial and basically harmless way like if you're on a construction site you know people like be making fun of like you know some of the guys for being mexican or whatever it's not because they hate mexicans it's just like a way of kind of ribbing each other gently or whatever that people can kind of bond over you know and 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 so I think it's kind of like that where people feel like they have to be walking on eggshells constantly wa- watching every little thing they say. And it makes you feel like you can't be like a fully authentic person and you don't mean harm, but you know, it's just, it, it feels very like 
inauthentic to people. And so I think people like that when people are politically incorrect. It doesn't even mean they're like condoning some like evil message. It's just like, oh, these guys, you know, it makes you feel a little more at ease, I think. Yeah, totally. And I think it like mocks like, I don't know, like I when I worked uh, years ago at this job, I remember I had I worked at like a really diverse job site and like our boss, who was like the most like the queen of the libtards, she was like so into like basically she was like into like white saviorism. That was her whole thing. <laughs> but at one meeting, she talked about how her third au pair had quit, and we were like, "Okay, something's <laughs> going on in this house." But my like black coworker was like, "What in the white is an au pair?" She's like, "What the <laughs> fuck is that lady talking about?" And I was like, "Oh, an au pair is like." basically an unpaid slave but they're like from sweden (laughs) and she was like what do you mean and i was like well they bring these like young girls over for the cultural experience and like pay them nothing and she's like the boss has a slave and i was like kind of (laughs) yeah she like she like literally has like a white a white slave in her house sort of i mean they have to pay them like a little bit but you know what i I don't think it's much there are like rules about like you have to like let them have a certain amount of like free time or whatever but (laughs) basically yeah you provide them like food and shelter and then they take care of you they perform like domestic work and take care of your kids yeah but me and this friend were like constantly saying like politically incorrect shit to each other Mm -hmm. and it was like part of our like bonding experience and she was black and i was white and like that was literally part of how we bonded is like it was funny to both of us like the differences Like, I remember once she left me in the car with her husband and (laughs) for, like, like 45 minutes to go inside of this, like, store. And her and her husband, me and her husband smoked this, like, huge blunt. (laughs) And, like, later that night, she was like, what did you guys talk about? And I was like, I tried to talk to him, but he didn't say anything to me. And she's like, I knew he wouldn't. She was like, she was, she was like laughing. She was like, he has no idea what to do with you. She was like a white faggot. And I was like, I know. I was like, he probably had no idea. Like, Wait, I you get just it. like silently smoked a blunt. And we just like, I remember. And then she said, did you ask him anything? And I was like, so you from New York? And he was like, mm. mm-hmm. like, I, I kept, I kept, I kept telling her like, this is what we talked about. I was like born and raised. And he was like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like finally i was just like and she was laughing so <laughs> hard and it was funny it was funny to like imagine like the intersection of like this neurotic and she said the word faggot and i didn't even care yeah. it was it was like like the whole thing was just funny you know what i mean like it was just like we laughed at our differences it wasn't this like you know big thing or even she said something that i'm sure this is like really controversial but she was like listen because her daughter was acting up her like five-year-old daughter and she's like it's gonna get real black up in here for a minute so if you're gonna judge me like look <laughs> away yeah. she was like she's, she was like she's getting in this car and i was like okay yeah well like, like, I, I had a yeah. friend who was like ha- dated a gay guy who dated this other gay guy who was from new zealand and he was a chef And he worked in a kitchen, which is sort of like a machismo kind of like environment. And he said that he was like, he thought that especially in the US, like the PC culture was really intense. And he was arguing with me. This was back when I was in my libtarded phase. So I, I I wasn't really arguing with him, but I was, I didn't really agree with him. Um, But he was talking about how like, 
yeah, like in the kitchen, you know, like these guys would be like making fun of me, calling me a faggot or whatever. Like, I don't care. You know, it's I can I he knew it wasn't like mean spirited. And I think that's like that's the main difference. Like you can tell the intent beside if someone's trying to like belittle you and like humiliate you and make you feel like shit. That's that is bad regardless of whether it's about your race or your sexual identity or whatever you know it's like that is the bad thing it's like just kind of using certain words or like topics that shouldn't be off limits just because of you know political correctness right so i don't know this whole take i think is is i do think it's like propaganda i do think it's to like really divide families up. I do think it implies that people of color's families are somehow less prejudiced than white families, which I think is like really weird. Like I am an immediate member of like a mixed race family, although I am not mixed race myself. And I can promise you it is very possible for people who are not white to be, I guess, I don't even know. I don't even want to use the word racist because like that word, the definition of that has been twisted so much, but to be extremely prejudiced toward people of other races, like that is an absolutely possible, you know, phenomenon, not to mention like it's possible if you're any race to be like homophobic or sexist or what, what I don't know. It's just right. like, like something about the implication is like, I feel like something about the implication is like white people have these like particularly pernicious and evil families that they need to like divide themselves from. Um, when I don't even think that's true. I just think it's like older people will always have opinions that, uh, are problematic to younger people. Like I feel, I guarantee you in like 20 years when you and I are like still doing this pod and hanging out, your kids are going to think that like we have really shitty, awful opinions and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's like so much of this is to me, it, it does seem like a psyop to divide people not only to break up the family but i do think that's part of it that like it's it's kind of trying to minimize the importance of family and saying you need to prioritize your like whatever like uh you know anderson cooper tells you over like you know your relationship with your parents but but also just like at a bigger level on the society just dividing everyone up into these groups and oh, I can't talk to him because blah, 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 you know, anti-vaxxers and, you know, whatever, all this stuff. It's just, it's a way to keep people from unifying in what, like, basically the vast majority of people in the country, in the world, have, like, similar economic and political interests that are at odds with the elites who control the system. So it's in the elite's interest to invent all these like categories to fragment people and make them hate each other and blame each other for their misfortunes and all, you know, so on and so on. Yeah. Like Sydney Sweeney's family has more in common with like the like urban black underclass than they do with fucking Hillary Clinton or 
Donald Trump. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like most like, like not anymore because someone in their family She's is like a, a ce- celebrity. Yeah. A celebrity. Yeah. So they've like risen in the ranks or whatever. Um, and it's obviously, it's not like, I don't believe, I mean, like, I want to be clear, like I systemic racism, like is at least maybe we could argue about this. I don't know what your thoughts are. Like, I do think it's a weird, I do, I, I do think it's a real thing. I think it's been misinterpreted to mean a lot more than what's literally tr- the truth. If that makes sense. Like there were laws in this country and I want to hear your take on this. Cause I'm just curious what it is, but like, there were laws in this country up until the point where our parents were alive that were like actual systemic racism, right? There's like a clear like divide and access to, you know, yeah, benefits and things like that. And now it's been like expanded into like all white people inherently deep in their soul somewhere have a have racist tendencies and are enacting systemic racism like across the country whereas i feel like it's it's just more true that there's just like these structures are like still in place from this society that was essentially an apartheid state only like 50 years ago. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously racism exists. I mean, that I I don't think you can really deny that. But yeah, it's just like, and I think think that racism sort of, and, and structural racism like that functioned as a psyop at the time and still does like basically to me, it seems like the function of that was to get uh, poor white people who were a large number of people on board with the elite agenda at the time by creating this distinction. So they feel like they're part of the in group, even though they're getting screwed also, you know, (laughs) So it's yeah, like, I mean, poor white people, it wouldn't surprise me if that's still the largest single group in the country. Right, right. It probably still is. And poor white people, I think, would include likely people like Sydney Sweeney's family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. I don't know. And, I, and, and I think, I think there, yeah, like there's this distinction, like, yes, racism exists. Yes, there's a, you know, a, you know, big wealth gap i guess between um black families in america and the average white family i don't know the numbers offhand but it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case and obviously black people are disproportionately imprisoned you know stuff like that um black uh, for even for like drug possession right which like apparently occurs in equal sort of proportion in white communities as black communities but black communities black people are arrested more for it stuff like that but um but then that's different from saying it's sort of like almost reminds me people will take this attitude of like believe women but like where it's like well just because they're a woman they can't lie or you know i don't know it's we and so the same logic kind of gets applied to like black people as like a reverse racism kind of thing where like you know, you can't, uh, you, you just got to listen and accept as truth 
what a black person saying if you question that you're being racist because you're white privilege and stuff like that that is where it gets to the point where like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me but but the idea I mean, your friend our, a close mutual friend of ours said it should never have been believe women it should have been listen to women yes that would have been a smarter and i totally agree with that yeah i mean i also find it weird like have you seen this thing on twitter i guess we're getting into it because i'm like might as well talk (laughs) about this but like where like this is like common in new york or at least this has been seemingly common i don't have statistics so don't come at me Mm -hmm. but like there's all these videos of black men mostly attacking asian people in general and then, like, there's these long Twitter threads about how it's based on white supremacy. <laughs> Somehow. Like, the like the black man has, in this video, who's attacking this Asian person, has, like, internalized, like, white supremacist messages to the point where this is, like, the end point. It's yeah. like, I can't even follow the logic. Like, it's so confusing to me. And, like, I don't, I'm like, and to me, it's, like, the obvious truth is that, like, there's nothing, there's not a racist attack happening in the video. Like to me, it's like these this people a- had a conflict and they are also different races. That's all. Yeah. Like to <laughs> me, what's like the obvious truth is, is that like, or we live in an, you know, I live in New York city. It's an urban environment. There's conflict all the time. There's constant conflict. I have been in conflicts, not physical yet, but you know, mm-hmm. verbal with people on the street, it's a literal part of living in this place. People will constantly actually I have been in physical contact. I mean, like, this is the funny thing. It's like, I have actually been like groped on the subway by a man, <laughs> you know, as a man, I yeah. have experienced like, you know, someone pushing me or shoving me or whatever. Like, this is just part of living here. Um, but like, it's interesting that like, to use that example of the, like of the, the time I was groped, if I was a woman, that would have been like a sexist experience. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you can apply these things to people. Yes. Whereas like, it's not, it's like, it's, it's not, it's really just like what's happening is, is like this just. Well, and there can be dynamics, right? Like, I guess, I don't know if this is in New York, but I think in LA and, and a lot of places, like there, a lot of the sh- like, shop owners and liquor store owners stuff like that in the black neighborhoods are asian so and then there can be conflict because it's like but it you know so if there's a a liquor store robbery it's just likely due to the demographics of the neighborhood that it's going to be a black person robbing a store owned by an Asian person, right? Yeah. And no. so that, but that doesn't mean that it's like a racially motivated crime, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so this whole thing about just like cutting off your entire <laughs> uh, family because they like have these shitty opinions. And if you don't, you're like a participant in genocide is to me like an absurd well you know uh, what's funny too is like i've been having this reverse sort of thing now with my uh with my parents who are like super lib like msnbc libs and uh they we've gotten into arguments about like you know they're like 
think anti-vaxxers or whatever unvaccinated people are evil and you know like you know so i've been in a lot of arguments with them over that and it's and stuff like like all this stuff ukraine i was like oh god they're talking about like Zelensky, how amazing Zelensky is and shit and so I love that my like very conservative dad did not buy Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, and it's just like they're just repeating what they hear on the on the news, and so that can be that's been frustrating for me. And they're they're liberals, but I still don't want to disown them. It's like I want to work through it, and that, I think that's the other side of it too. Is that like libs have so little? They have so much contempt for like the MAGA Trump people thinking they're stupid and brainwashed by Fox News and all that. And they don't have any compassion for it. It's like, isn't being liberal supposed to be all about like tolerance and what compassion and stuff? And yet, yeah, that's what I was saying when I said last week that I feel like a liberal at heart still because I constantly feel like immense pain for people that I see in pain, which I think is a good stance to take. I think it's a healthy stance to take. And I see a lot of these Trump people as like in pain. Like I don't see them at like, I don't like I have been privileged a lot of my life, but I've known people who are not. And I like have known people who have like overdosed on opioids or other, you know, deaths of despair, killed themselves, things like that. And I think it's like really sad, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, it's I horrible. see it's horrible. It's horrible and it's awful. And like, it affects entire family networks and communities. And like, I see those people and I don't see this like, you know, vitriolic hatred. I see this like panic that they're, uh, the little they have is dissipating fast. I mean, did you know, like, I don't know if you knew, like, if you knew, saw these headlines, but, like, a lot of schools in rural areas are going to four days a week now. Wow. I didn't they don't know even, that. That's they don't crazy. even have enough teachers. So it's, like, I think, like, what I really see in these, like, rural American areas is not vitriolic racism, although that certainly exists, but I also just see a decline, a declining kind of crumbling society that must be, like, yeah, really sad, and which hard. creates conditions for being psyoped, including into being psyoped into being anti-immigrant, being racist, or whatever it is. And then liberals just have such a lack of humility about it. They have no, they think, oh my, we whatever we think is like so. This is the only stance that any intelligent, educated person could think. And without, you know, it's like, well, you're you're brainwashed too honestly like you don't i don't know it's just like so weird to me it is weird and it's mostly people who are not experiencing the material conditions that these people are yeah. like i literally had a doc a, do- a friend of mine who's a doctor talking to me today about how like you know over prescribing i was talking to her about over prescribing medications and she's like it's really hard and i was like well what do you mean and she's like I don't know. What do you do when a patient who has like a horrific, like long-term injury tells you that fentanyl is the only thing that made them like able to like play with their grandkids. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's like, what do you do? <laughs> I mean, that's sort of a cope to me. I don't know. It's a little bit of a cope, but she was just kind of making a point. She's like, I don't know what she's like. It's like difficult because this person will escalate it. Like they yeah. will go to the, you're like superior and they will probably ultimately get access to this medication regardless of what you do. Yeah. And, and I mean, and like, it speaks to the influence of the pharmaceutical. That's, that's what, that's yeah. the point she was getting. At. Yeah. And she's like, and it's not like, I didn't make the medication. The medication just exists. This person has now been exposed to the medication. Obviously it feels incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Why would, why would anyone do it? And she's like, and now I have this patient who has experienced like this incredible feeling and thinks that that's like a life. You know what I mean? Yeah. and she's like, like, well, have you got, have you tried to get them to exercise? Have you tried to get them to change their diet? Have you tried to get them to make sure they're getting, you know, eight hours of sleep? Probably not. And like, I mean, and and probably doesn't have time to do that. This is someone who works at a public hospital and is working with people who are on public assistance. But she was just making the point that like, you know, it's like, these conditions are created to sell these people this shit. Right. Yes. No, I mean, (laughs) being a doctor in this environment essentially is push uh, being a pill pusher, like trying to get people on as many pills, statins and what, you know, every one pill, antidepressants and, you know, all this shit. And you come in and you're like, this person has been on fentanyl for three weeks because they've been getting it from like some other place they went for whatever injury they have. And they're telling you it's revolutionized their life. And what are you supposed to do? Be like, go try yoga. Mm-hmm. Like you, I want to inject you up with fentanyl yeah. <laughs> and see how you, how chill you feel. And then be like, you should go do yoga instead to get this. <laughs> yeah. Like, of course it's not going to compete because it's like a harder. And this yeah, is like it takes you, effort and it does. It's not instant gratification. It takes time. It's not instant gratification, which is what you and I talked about a lot with like COVID stuff. It's like, it's insane that none of the COVID advice has been like lose weight. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this is someone who like, I've said this, you know, a couple times on here, like, I'm struggling to lose weight. It's like, I'm trying to and it sucks. It's hard. If there was, I mean, no, I I have chronic pain, all kinds of shit. I mean, I don't even want to get into it. But for years and years and years, I've had various shit, nerve problems and everything. And the only and but the and and they try to give me pills for that. And it kind of works. But then you feel like weird and out of it. And I did gain weight. And I felt kind of just tired and whatever and so the then i realized like it's it's it was all because i was sedentary i didn't do i didn't move at all Walk, yeah yeah and once i started like lifting weights and like you know just getting some doing some other like stretching type stuff and eating better building some muscle it i got so much better also helped with my depression and you know and it's just totally. not part of the message. It's not part of the message. That's it's not part of the message because it, it's it, that's seen as blaming people. Like, I've gained 10 pounds this summer. I'm not thrilled about it. But I know that I'm going to lose 10 pounds when I'm back at work mm-hmm. and I'm walking yeah. <laughs> four miles a day, mm-hmm. you know, because it's built into my, like, commute. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it just seems like there's se- – I mean, it, it's obvious. It's not even – doesn't even seem like they're setting people up for failure. They want people tranquilized Hooked at their house. 
sending that monthly check to the pharma companies. Yeah, sending that monthly check to the pharma companies. And I want to be clear because if this podcast ever gets big, I feel like I'm going to be like, like, uh, (laughs) doxxed for this. But like a lot of like my own material comfort (laughs) comes from (laughs) a pharmaceutical company. So I'm not, I, I, I am, I don't personally work for a pharmaceutical company, but people in my family do. And so I'm not trying to pretend that like I'm better than all this, but it's absolutely true that this shit, um, they're shoving shit into people's brains and mouths and they're, they're, it, it makes them feel good because it's a fucking, drug um and it feels good to do pfizer paid the largest criminal fine in history in 2000s in sometime in the 2000s it may have been surpassed since then but at the time it was the highest criminal fine in history did you see this today at the nih um i'm gonna pull it up added to their covid ivermectin oh my god they added absurd dude absurd horse paste and that was all over the late night shows they were like skewering people for like taking horse medicine and all this stuff it's crazy it's It's utterly crazy they added it it's crazy so like they literally added ivermectin to their like what they're studying yeah and so Uh, they still say well we don't really like recommend it but it is like out there (laughs) and the way people were talking about it is they were like Look at all these hicks shredding their inte- shredding their asshole their their rectums with these with this horse paint. Yeah. <laughs> like that was like the tweets. It was like, look at all these dumb hicks <laughs> shredding their insides. And like literally, it's human medicine. It's human medicine. It's not. I mean, like it. It. it they do use it for horses and animals. It's like how you can give a cat Prozac if they're like, or a dog or whatever if they're like biting people or something, you know. But it's not dog medicine. It's human medicine that is sometimes given to animals. It's so yeah. It's the whole thing was just yeah. Anyway, that was shocking. Oh my god! All right, I want to I want to push us to and we're pretty close, so I want to push us to close to an hour and a half. So can I give you a final a final yeah, like, surprise send topic? Off. All right, so there's going to be um, a Dimes Square reality show. You gotta explain that. I'm not a New York. You know person. what Dimes Square? No, is. I don't. Okay. Oh my god. Oh, my chin looks bad. <laughs> um. Okay, so I'm gonna explain it to you. So dime, I love that you don't know. That's an, I've a, heard of it. I I'll probably it'll I'll ring a bell when you tell it. But no, it's I'm a beautiful it. innocence in you, to be honest. So Dime Square is like a shithole. I work about eight blocks from Dime Square. Okay, and it's like a shithole corner of Chinatown. Mm. Um, and the only reason it got famous is because Anna Kachian and Dasha Nekrasova, who run Red Scare lived there when they started Red Scare. And it's truly like a no man, or at least six or seven years ago, it was like a no man's land, right? It was like a shithole corner of Chinatown where they were living, doing ketamine and doing their show. (laughs) And they made a joke about, they made a lot of jokes about it, calling it Dime Square because there's this health food store called Dimes in the area. And there's a little like 
New York has all these like shithole parks. Like, I don't know if, I don't know the last time you were here, but um, I feel like last time you were here, maybe you like passed out in one of these or our friend did. Uh, yeah, it was, um, was not me. I remember this and I. Uh, <laughs> this is back in our yeah, really party I'm not going to tell the story, but you are implicated in that story. I, yeah, well. I definitely left <laughs> the group to go do um, to sin, <laughs> to sin. Which, to which I've asked God for forgiveness. Um, <laughs> by sin, I mean give blowjobs and do coke. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So basically, uh, it's just this little shitty corner of Chinatown. But Red Scare started making fun of it and calling it Dime Square. And then, like when COVID happened, you know, the rest of New York City sort of. <laughs> shut down and got all like nervous about COVID, but this dime square area, nothing closed. So people were going out, they were going to art shows, they were drinking. They didn't give a fuck about masks. They all got COVID really early. None of them died. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Uh and so this sort of scene kind of like developed around dimes, quote unquote, dime square. I guess I'm going to call it, and now it's a place. Okay. The scene sort of just developed around Dime Square, these like six or seven bars in this kind of like shitty area of Chinatown. Um, and or like that was kind of like a dissident sort of like scene, right? Yeah, I suppose. So that. then by the time it became like kind of like popularized, it was like all these girls with like cross necks necklaces and like brandy melville outfits and like uh-huh. people wore Ma- maga hats to be ironic and this is where like all the trad cat stuff was happening and uh-huh. people were like renewing their virginity in order to like be more christian and like you know but really what they were doing was just hanging out and fucking drinking and chain smoking cigarettes which is what everyone's always doing in new york everywhere yeah. you know um so we talked a couple weeks ago about like the Atlantic article that was kind of like bringing. I think it was Vanity least, Fair, actually. Vanity yeah. Fair. Sorry, mm-hmm. they mentioned this. They vaguely mentioned this Dime Square scene. I don't mm-hmm. think they use the phrase Dime Square. Um, but now I guess there's actually going to be a Dime Square reality show, which feels like the end, right? Yeah. The- oh God. Yeah. That's got to be the end of the vibe. So, Mike, were you part of the vibe shift discourse? Uh, I don't know. I do. Did you I read about it? I I don't know. Yeah. So when Di- <laughs> I love I like I like your innocence. So when Dime Square <laughs> first became a thing and like the kind of Twitter consciousness. Yeah, I'm only recently like an internet person, really, at all. I got, me too. I got on me Twitter too. like four months ago or something yeah i'm pretty i'm like i got on twitter two months like two years ago but like mostly like post covid Mm -hmm. actually i made my twitter account with one of your girlfriends from college a long time ago a drunk night in dc um but i didn't use it for like 10 years (laughs) um anyway so okay there was this whole like I'm just going to explain this to you drunkenly because I'm like, what, why not? We got we to gotta get to this 15 more minutes. But there was this whole, like, this dude wrote about, like, what he calls, like, the vibe shift, right? Mm. So there was, like, when we were in college, there was, like, indie sleaze. 
then there was like a vibe shift during the Obama years into this like kind of like woke identitarian Uh, politics. Then there was a vibe shift in the Trump years, which turned into an even more intense woke, like identitarian, like women's march politics. Mm -hmm. And then there was a vibe shift during COVID into this kind of like right wing fascism chic uh-huh. aesthetic uh-huh. right so to me making a reality show about dime square and that whole kind of aesthetic is like the nail in the coffin it's like killing the vibe shift is yeah it's saying. like killing yeah. the vibe shift mm-hmm. so i guess my question to you is if, is if you had to predict in the next five years like what's what do you think the new vibe shift is going to be well Oh, dude, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, cl- clearly COVID woke a lot of people up. And then I actually, my one of my wife's friends recently had a sort of awakening um, away from the social justice vibe that we were that she was telling me about recently and it was just it, and then she got into the sort of questioning the covid stuff which i had the sort of opposite experience and i think a lot of people did but i guess like it seems to me like the woke nonsense is getting so ridiculous it's kind of imploding on itself it so is. i yeah i don't think it, that can be sustainable for that much longer but it has such ideological value to the regime that I think it, they have to keep it going in some sense. So I don't know what they'll, I guess maybe like you're saying, they'll try to kind of co-opt this dissident energy somehow by making reality shows about it. I, I don't really know. I don't know what comes next. I don't know what the next like big psyop is going to be i i have i feel like we're all just kind of sitting around playing the waiting game i think people are gonna i'm gonna make a prediction i think people are gonna sort of like drop out again like become like gen xers like just yeah opt out of society i think that yeah. that would be like the best case scenario in my that's opinion. my like hope yeah I'm hoping that people <laughs> sort of like i'm hoping that people sort of drop out again they sort of take the values of the 60s and 70s, which the Gen Xers were sort of marinated in mm-hmm. and sort of like stop giving a fuck and work just. In, and I, I'm hoping that like new urban centers that are not New York, Chicago, LA, Seattle, whatever. Like I'm hoping like new urban centers become interesting to people. And there's sort of a, a, a new scene of people who just like, yeah. So I, I mean, my prediction is that is going to happen. You're right. There's going to be like two simultaneous vibe shifts. Like some percent of the population will basically do that, realize that everything's bullshit and they're just getting screwed over constantly and just kind of Move like to Cleveland. Yeah. Like opt out of the rat race, basically. And then but there will be like another segment of the population that will basically go all in on this sort of um authoritarian like safetyism uh medical fascism kind of biosecurity digital prison system and, and they're gonna want everyone to stay <laughs> they're gonna want everyone to stay at home and yes uh, 
Yeah. You know about do you know about Fermi's paradox? No. We should do one on this. But basically Fermi's paradox is like Fermi, this like scientist asked, like, where the fuck are all the aliens? <laughs> that was like a question uh-huh. he asked at this like conference in the nineteen fifties, like if they exist, like where the fuck are they? Yeah. And one of the main theories that debunks Fermi's paradox is that it's actually um in a intelligent civilization's trajectory to become very inward looking and masturbatory and just collapse <laughs> and sort of like yeah and sort of collapse into these like sated kind of neutered like virtual reality states mm-hmm. and that's like what happens like it's actually not like we want to imagine like civilization leads to this like exploration of the stars but it actually leads to this like kind of like everyone's on like vr headsets like yeah. drooling, like drooling a little bit like xanax style Drug with their out. like yeah yeah with their like gross like gross porn and like kind yeah, of brave like, new world ish <laughs> yeah like everyone's just sort of like medicated and dead so like that's like why like right. half dead so that's like why like we don't have aliens because like they just uh yeah, don't give a shit about like reaching a new world, you know? <laughs> yeah, or there's something about the idea of like civilization and uh, consciousness or intelligence that's sort of self limiting in some way. Do you think some people will go back to like Stone Age? Uh, it's hard to say. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, that didn't happen like when Rome collapsed and stuff, you know, I mean, it just got everyone got like kind of a little poorer for a while and the conditions were sort of wretched. But, um, I, you know, I don't I would like to see that happen. Honestly, it would be better than the alternative of like total digital control. <laughs> do you think it's i mean i don't wonder if it's there's one i've looked it up because of course i've googled this shit there's one stone age tribe uh left on the planet <laughs> have you read about them no i mean i would support that too i think that's actually i mean i don't know exactly what the stone age is but i think being <laughs> more like living a life that requires more independence self-sufficiency and physical activity actually like makes people a lot happier yeah so there's this one tribe they're called the sentinelese and they live in the indian ocean and they're basically allowed to murder people without impunity which is so punk (laughs) um but they've resisted any attempts i've heard about that like they live on an island or something right they live on an island they've resisted any attempts at like outside inclusion and like basically the indian government has decided like we're just gonna let them do their thing yeah (laughs) yeah and so they like i mean that was the move like anyone that everyone else just got completely fucked native americans and stuff (laughs) yeah they knew what they were doing for sure My friend, okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna kill this last eight minutes. Another mutual friend of ours got really wild with me by suggesting that he thinks that archaic humans have lived to today, like Neanderthals and shit, like like Bigfoot tier, like they're just chilling. In the woods <laughs> yeah, somewhere. that's what he thinks, and he thinks that that's the only explanation for Bigfoot is that like 
archaic humans have like lived to today, but they're like actually humans. So they like know, they understand how to like hide their tracks and like <laughs> burn their dead and like cover their tracks and shit. So that, that was another funny theory. I heard yeah. Recently. I mean, it's I, that to me is just like, cool. I don't know. More power to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish them well. That's yeah. Trump I wish them say. well too. Trump would wish them well. Sure, he no, that's what he said him. about Ghislaine Maxwell. I wish her well. Was that what he said? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Ghislaine got moved to a minimum security prison. Did you hear that? Yeah. I have no idea. It could be a body double. It could all just be like completely fake. I have no idea. You know. But at a minimum, yeah, she's not going to be like in some maximum security thing. She's going to be on, what do they call it? Club Med. Yeah. I hope she has weed. <laughs> She's definitely got like Xanax. <laughs> All right, we can wrap it up. Yeah. See everyone next week. All right.